Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Take up your Bibles, find a Bible near you, the black Bibles if you want, a pew Bible, and turn to the letter to the Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read from verse 17 through to verse 24. Page 978 in the Black Bible, page 978. I do want to encourage you to keep your Bible open. We're going to do a little bit of uh, looking in some other places this morning that will help us, so it will help you if that uh, remains open in front of you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, They are darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And so we just sang it together, didn't we? How can those in ignorance and night, what happens? How can they dwell in the eternal light? Here's the answer. Through the eternal love. But, verse 20, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, you were taught to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Amen. Well, this isn't ever going to happen to me. Maybe it will happen to you. Some of you one day, I know this is never going to happen to me. There's a question that some people are asked on the red carpet at red carpet events. Did you know this? Did you know that this question gets asked? Who are you wearing this evening? Have you ever seen that asked to somebody? Some of you know immediately what that means. So there's the celebrity at the star-studded event walking down the red carpet to the reporters and there is a certain type of journalist who wants to answer that certain question to individuals, who are you wearing this evening? Who are you wearing? So what are the options as answers? What could people say? Armani, Gucci, Louis Vuitton. I had to look these up, by the way. George from Asda. Now remember that question, not what are you wearing, But who are you wearing? You you wear the person, don't you? And so you wear their brand. You, You walk down that red carpet in whatever bizarre creation it is. And yes, everybody sees you and the cameras are flashing. 
But at the same time, it is the name of that person you are wearing who is lit up across the world and in all the papers the next day. Isn't that right? Everybody sees them through you. Let me say something as we begin this morning. Something I have said a hundred times at least, I'm sure, in Trinity over the years. Never ever think that the Bible is completely from a totally different world. It's not. The Bible is from an ancient world, yes, but it is not a different world. These verses that we're about to look at together here, they have an image in them, the verses that I read. They have a picture right at the heart of them, which if we understand that picture today, we understand it because it is understood here in these verses just as much. And it is a beautiful picture. Such a beautiful picture that I want us to stare at it, to see it. And I think once you see this picture, the passage is really just going to preach itself for you today. My job here every Sunday, Will's job when, when Will's preaching, we are tour guides, we're, we're, we're signposts, aren't we? My job is just to say, look at this, can you see it? Will and I are not magicians. We're not, we're not the artists. Uh, putting a sermon together is not creating an art form. No, what you have open on your lap is the art. And that is what I want to project up in front of you this morning. I want to just t- take your Bible and put it up in front of you as a picture. And so here's the picture. The fact that you and I in our world today, that you, you did it this morning before you came to church, the, the fact that we know what it is to take a piece of clothing off and to put a new piece of clothing on, in the Bible, that is a picture of what it means to become a Christian. Let me say it again. What you did this morning, taking off nightwear, putting on daywear, changing clothes, is a picture of what it means to come to Christ for new life and to live as a Christian. Who are you wearing this morning? Who are you wearing? I, I bet nobody has ever asked you that before as you walk into church. There's, there's lots, isn't there? Lots of oohs and ahs. Oh, I, I, like, I like what you're wearing. I wonder if people can see who you're wearing. Because here's the thing, friends, it is a very simple wardrobe choice. Very simple. There are only ever in the world two people to wear. That's how most of us like our wardrobes, isn't it? Some of us don't. Most of us do. Simple. There are only two people to wear. It's a simple fact of life. From the moment you're born to the moment you die, you, you will only ever wear two people. And many people only ever wear one. So here's what we're going to do in our time together. I'm going to try and paint a bit of a big picture. Such a big picture, we're not even going to start in Ephesians to see it. And then we're going to come back to our passage. I'm going to narrow it down to the verses that we read. And when we come to our verses, I want to simply show you how the rest of chapter 4 and the rest of chapter 5 and 6 work. And then we're going to keep narrowing it down again, right into the details of uh, the verses that we, that we looked at. If you want a picture for today's sermon, it's like concentric circles. We're going to start wide and narrow in. I hope that's not the same as saying the sermon is circular. I don't think it is. We're going to start wide and, and narrow in. L- let me just paint the picture for us. Who are you wearing? 
Just take your Bible and turn back a couple of pages, please, to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27, page 974. It's very close in the, the, Bible, the, the church Bible. Page 974. <clears throat> Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. Keep your finger in Ephesians. We're going to come right back to it. Here's what Paul says. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, look at this, have put on Christ. As many of you were baptized into Jesus, have put on Jesus. When was the last time anybody ever told you at a baptism, welcome to today's clothing ceremony? We are here today at this baptism to dress this person in the Lord Jesus. I mean, we're used to that in life, aren't we? Some of you are going to graduate at some point. You're going to go to a graduation and you're going to be given the new clothes to wear, aren't you? The robe and the ribbon and the, the mortarboard. And none of, that, none of that outfit actually properly belongs to you until that moment that your head is ceremoniously, ceremoniously touched. And now you are dressed for the rest of your life in the colors of the university. We're used to it in life, aren't we? And Paul says it's, it's like that in baptism, that the water pours down on the baby's head and they have put on Christ. Some of you here today were baptized as a teenager or an adult, like, like I was. Full immersion, you went right down into the water. Paul is saying, as you emerge from that water, look, it's such a beautiful image. You leave that water behind, yes, but you now never leave Jesus behind. You are wearing him. Isn't it amazing? For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's why if you go back to our passage, Ephesians chapter 4, Page 978. Go back to it again. Paul is using that language of putting on and putting off to describe what happens when someone becomes a Christian. Paul is reminding the Ephesians about their past. Look at verse 20. Look at the language. But that is not the way you learned Christ. He's not introducing Jesus to them for the first time. No, he's reminding them. And what he's reminding them about is what he's reminding you and me about this morning is that there are only ever two people to wear. Only ever two people to wear. Verse 21, assuming that you heard about Jesus and you were taught in Jesus, as the truth is in him, here it is, verse 22, you were taught to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and, it's, and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Here it is, verse 24, and to put on the new self. Do, do, you, see, do you see them? You can spend your life... Well, here's one option. You can spend your life wearing you. Spend your life following you. You can spend your life finding truth for you, for yourself. There is you and you can spend your life taking you and putting you out there for the world. You can take what's in here and project it outwards. You can wear you. Or you can wear, well, what did Galatians say? You can wear Christ. 
Look at verse 24. To put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Brothers and sisters this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ is the image and the perfect likeness of God. The one true likeness. If you want to know what God is like, if you want, if you want to see God's likeness in the flesh, look at Jesus. In Jesus, that's where you see true righteousness. And so, so to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, you don't have to make those things up today. You don't have to work out what righteousness and holiness is. No, God gives you Jesus. And, and, and you clothe yourself in Him. And now you have a new self. There is a new you. A new you in Him. So friends, here's the big picture this morning. This sermon series in Ephesians, we've said Ephesians is God's master plan. That's what it's, what it's about. What is God doing with you, me, and the world? That's the letter of Ephesians. And here's the answer this morning. What God is doing in the world is He is changing who people were. That's God's great design. That's what He's doing in the universe. It's how He works. Just look back at chapter 2 of Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 13. So same letter, just a couple of pages, a couple of chapters earlier. Chapter 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, that is Jew and Gentile, and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Here it is that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. See that in this world there is a new type of human being. There, there had been Jews, there had been Gentiles, two races, and now Paul says there is a third type. God is taking both of them and putting both of them in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when either a Jew or a Gentile, most of us this morning are Gentiles, when a Jew or a Gentile person believes in Jesus and bows their knee to Jesus as King, God puts them in Jesus. Now, I want to say the exact same thing that Will said last week or a few weeks before, that Ephesians chapters 4 to 6 is all about now how we stay together as one. God has made us one. How can we live together as one? How can we speak together as one? Chapters 1 to 3 of Ephesians, God has brought us together. Chapters 4 to 6, so let's stick together. God has brought us together, so let's stick together. And what Paul says to you and to me this morning is this, friends, I want to encourage you to come to church week by week, year after year, and notice no other label about anybody else other than who they are wearing. You are either in Christ or out of Christ. In Him, wearing Him. If you are in Him and wearing Him, Christian, this morning, then you belong to me and I belong to you. It, it, you are the same as me. It doesn't matter about your age, your gender, your, your background, your social status. 
It's what clothes do, isn't it? We use clothes to differentiate ourselves from each other, to express status, to express wealth, to to show we're in the crowd, a cool crowd, there's an out crowd. And Paul is saying, look, Trinity Church, there is no middle class Christian uniform. There is only Jesus to wear. If you belong to Jesus, you belong to me and I belong to you. Friends, come to church each week and do not just seek out your own age group demographic. If you, if you do that, you're not seeing who the church is wearing. Don't see young or old or gray-haired or students. See Jesus being worn by everybody. I, I want to just show you now as we, as we move from this big picture, I want to show you how these verses work that you've got in front of you. Here's the logic of it all. If you're looking for points this morning... This is the closest you're going to get here, so come back to me if you've, been, if you've been gone. There are only two people to wear, either yourself or Christ. Verses 17 to 19, verses 17 to 19, Paul is saying, I want you to remember what you once were. There, there's one point. I want you to remember what you once were, but, but, verse 20, look at that first word of that, word, of that verse, but... A contrast. That is what you once were, old self, but that is not the way you learned Christ. What we now are, verses 20 to 24. What we now are, what we once were, what we now are. And now, friends, from verse 25, and really I think this goes all the way to the end of the letter. From verse 25 of chapter 4 to the end of Ephesians, it is this. So be who you are. What you once were, what you now are, so now be who you are. Live who you really are. You you once were that. You once got up in the morning and all you had to put on was you. You were the best thing you knew of to dress yourself in. You, You put you out there for all the world to see. But then you came to Christ and now you wear Him. That is conversion. That that is what it means to be a Christian. So, you know what the Christian life is, friends? It is this. So, be who you are. If you have put on Jesus, wear Jesus. If you have put on the new self, do do you know what the Christian life is? If you have put on the new self, then put on the new self. Be who you are. If you are wearing Jesus' righteousness, if you're clothed in his holiness, why would you ever do that thing over here? Why would you ever wear anything else? No, dress yourself in those things. Clothe yourself in those things. Look, this this is maybe really unusual language for some of us. I want to show you, I'm, I'm not inventing this. Keep your finger again in Ephesians. Just turn to the letter to the Romans. Romans chapter 13. I forgot to put in a page number in your Bible. Romans chapter 13 and verse 14. Turning back, back in your Bible. Romans chapter 13, verse 14. Look what Paul says, but to, to, Christ, to Christian people, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Wear him. And make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Friends, today, put Jesus on. 
You know, some of you in this room, many of you, I think, many of us, I guess, you were baptized into Christ as an infant. You, you don't remember it. You were maybe asleep in your parents' arms. Maybe you were screaming in your mum or dad's arms. But you were baptized. You put him on. So let me ask you today, are you wearing him? Are you wearing him? He, he, here's, here's the question. Can someone look at your life and then look at the Lord Jesus and look at you and then look at, the, look at Jesus again and think, hang, hang on, you, you, you two, you're almost identical. I, I, I struggle to tell you apart. You, you look the same. If you have put him on, he should be seen by all the world when they look at you. Are you wearing Jesus? Well, let me ask you this. Are you embarrassed to be seen out in him? You know, young folk, those, those baptized before you remember, are you wearing Jesus? Or is wearing Jesus a bit like going to a party with your dad? you imagine that? You're invited to a party at your friend's house and your dad says, I'm coming with you. I'm going to sit in the corner all evening. It's embarrassing on lots of levels, isn't it? But I guarantee you it's embarrassing because look what dad is wearing. He's got his peak cap on and his tweed and his corduroy trousers. And it's, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't wear that. I don't want to be seen near that type of clothing. Is that what you're like increasingly with the Lord Jesus? Just putting, putting distance between being seen in him? Some of us here today, our story is different, isn't it? Verses 17 to 19, as you look at them, you, you know that was your story. You really did walk as the Gentiles do. That, that word walk is a metaphor for lifestyle, isn't it? You must no longer walk, verse 17, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And for some of us here today, at some point in the past, we were right in the thick of life like that, weren't we? We were far from God. We got up each day and we put ourselves on with pride. We wore ourselves with pride. And then somehow we reached verse 20. But in God's kindness, he changed us. He he dressed us in Jesus. And as he put Jesus on you, let me ask you, Exactly the same question, friend. Are you wearing him? Are you wearing him? God dressed you with him, so are you wearing it? Do people look, look at you and look at the Lord Jesus and, and oh look, which, which what? Oh, they're, they're the same. They're, they're almost identical. There's the old joke, isn't there, that, that if, if two women turn up to a party wearing the same dress... It's a disaster. They have to go home and change. But if two men turn up to a party wearing the same outfit, it's the best night of their lives. They're, they're best friends for life. The, you know, the man thing, amazing. I had no idea there was anyone else out there as cool as me. You, you, you're the same as me. Now, are, are you putting on the Lord Jesus Christ or... Are you making provision for the flesh, gratifying its desires? Do, do people look at me, at, at us, at you, and see Jesus? Brothers and sisters, look at Paul's language this morning. Verses 17 to 24, there is only one command in the passage. Did you spot it? There is only one imperative. Verse 17, 
you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. You must. Coming to Christ means that lifestyle choices, wardrobe choices change. That how we live is not pick and mix. Look at those words, you, you must. And, and, verse 17, look how that must is given. Paul says, I say, and I testify in the Lord. To, to testify is a legal word. It's, it, it's somebody saying, I'm in court swearing that what I'm going to give is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And Paul is testifying in the Lord. You see it? What Paul says, Jesus says. Jesus is saying, we must, you must, I must. Do do you have a must, Jesus, this morning? Do you have a must Bible? Or do you have a a maybe Bible? And if you want to, Jesus. Or do you have a must, Jesus? You must no longer walk. Wearing the Jesus that we we have put on means we must leave certain things behind. Just look at the way Paul describes here what it is we once were. Look at verses 17 to 19. I want you to notice as you look at those verses, notice how Paul is saying that in the old self way of life, the unconverted life, the Gentile way of life, just notice the intellectual factor in it, the, the thinking part of how people live. Put put your eyes on the verses. Look look how Paul draws attention to the futility of their minds. Darkened in what? Darkened in their understanding. Their alienation from God is because of what? Their ignorance. Do you see it? Empty minds, darkened understanding and inward ignorance. One of the marks of the non-Christian world is the anti-Christian mind. Isn't that right? The anti-Christian mind, you, you know it, you see it, you live alongside it. The great professors of the university who are anti the gospel. You, you, your friend who you've witnessed to for years, who you speak to, she says, look, to become a Christian would be to commit intellectual suicide. And what does she say to you? Convince me, she says. Prove to me that there's a God. Pro- prove it. Prove that it makes sense. And so, friends, I want to help us with that this morning because I've learned something here this week very beautiful in these verses. What what does Paul do with that type of person? What does Paul say the solution to the dark and Gentile mind is? What what, what is the gospel? What happened to these Ephesians? What, What happened to convince a dark mind to move to a light mind? What happened to move an empty mind to a full mind? Does Paul say... You learned an argument. You went on Hope Explored and you, you learned the formula. You learned the facts. No, do you see it? What, what is it that moved somebody here from ignorance to knowledge? I want us to grasp this. Look at verse 20. It is so odd. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Keep your eye on that verse, friends. Paul does not say... Okay, listen to this. Paul does not say, that is not the way you learned about Christ. No, he literally says, do you know what changed you? Do you remember? Do you know what changed you? You learned a person. You learned Jesus. You you came face to face with him. 
Yes, there was an intellectual, mental, cognitive aspect of it. Look at, look at verse 20, 21. You, 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 weren't, you weren't converted through looking at pictures of Jesus. You weren't converted about just feeling something about Jesus. No, somebody did have to tell you about him. Somebody had to use words to teach you, yes. But what you learned was a person. What you learned was a person. Can I put it like this, friends? It was like falling in love. Do you remember that? If it hasn't happened to you yet, I hope it happens to you one day. It's happened to many people here in the room. And maybe it's hard to grasp this, but if you can remember that or imagine that experience, let me put it like this, men. Men today, if you're married, I hope you don't just know about your wife. I hope you know her. You see, over coffee, you can tell me about her until the cows come home. And I can learn about her, but you have learned her, haven't you? It's the, it's the language of the heart. It, it's, it's the language here of heart-to-heart change. The Lord Jesus Christ, friends, is that real. He, he's that beautiful. He's that true that you can learn Him, not just about Him. See, this is how all of this works. Do you notice, keep looking at 17 to 19 again. Notice where all of this mental distance from God comes from, this intellectual opposition to God in the non-Christian world. Where does it come from? Do you see how Paul puts it in verse 18? They are darkened. He's already said futility of mind. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because they went to Oxford or Cambridge. Is that right? No, it's all in them. Look at the end of verse 18. Due to their hardness of heart ah the heart the heart speaks a language like nothing else your unbelieving friend says they reject the gospel out of intellectual honesty Paul says you reject the gospel because the rebellious disposition of your heart drives and directs your understanding it is that way round friends it is it is who you love that shapes what you think. It is what you love that shapes what you believe, not the other way around. Or in Paul's language, in Paul's language, it is who you wear that determines your life, your whole life. Verse 22, if your desires are corrupt, then the mind will be corrupt. It's where it all comes from. Verse 19, sensuality, greed, impurity. Oh, friends, what a picture of what not to wear, who not to be. What, what a picture of life without Christ or what we once were. What one commentator said, the old wardrobe, what we wore because of who we were. He, here's what the old wardrobe was. Hardness of heart leading to darkness of mind and deadness of spirit and so recklessness of life. Do you see it? Hardness, darkness, deadness recklessness unrestrained abandonment to sin and what changes all of that a person changes it a person friends this morning I hope you know this there is not a new you in you there is no new you in you 
No, Paul says there was a hard you in you. There was a dark you in you, a dead you in you. There was a reckless you in you. There is not a new you in you, but there is a new you in Jesus. In him. Oh, how deep God's work is in our lives. Friends, do some of you remember, you know the story of Eustace in the voyage of the Dawn Treader? It's a really beautiful incident. Eustace, who is vain, who is cowardly, who is obnoxious. And because all those things are inside him, one day when he falls asleep on a pile of enchanted gold, he, he wakes up. And what has happened to him as he wakes? You remember? Because of what is happening in his heart, his greed, he has, he has turned into a dragon. It's a mesmerizing sequence in the Narnia Chronicles. Aslan rescues him. And what does he do? He takes Eustace to a garden where there is a well. And Eustace is told to bathe. But first he must undress. And he scratches at his body, scratching all these scales. The dragon scales are all over his body. He's scratching and peeling off his outer skin. But every skin he takes off, he's still got the dragon skin underneath. He's still wearing the dragon's hide, layer after layer after layer. Every time he goes down into the water to wash and he comes back up, he's no further on. Then the lion said, you will have to let me undress you. The very verse tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. Then he got hold of me and threw me into the water. It smarted like anything, but only for a moment. After that, it became perfectly delicious. And as soon as I started swimming and splashing, I found that all the pain had gone. And then I saw why I had turned into a boy again. After a bit, the lion took me out and dressed me in new clothes. Brothers and sisters this morning, do you know how beautiful the Lord Jesus is? Do you know how beautiful he is? Can you see who he is and how he can change you? Do you know why Jesus was born of a virgin? Do you know why the virgin birth is essential? It's because in his birth, God was going right back to the beginning again, wasn't he? He He was putting into the world a new Adam, a true man, a perfect image, a a perfect likeness of God. So Jesus was born of Mary, a, a true, real woman, born of Mary, that his humanity would be true. He really, really is a man. But he is born of God miraculously so that his humanity is new. New. Born of Mary to be true man. Born of God to be new man. He, he is not tainted with Adam's sin. There is no sin in his flesh. No, no, no stain in any part of his soul. His human nature is not a fallen human nature. And so God has sent into the world a man who has done everything the first man was meant to do. It is so beautiful, isn't it? There's no fracture in his personality. There is nothing. What did you think, friends? Verses 17 to 19 
Some bit of it describes you, doesn't it? Describes me. There, there is nothing in verses 17 to 19 that as Jesus hears it being read, there is nothing he could ever say about that list. Yep, I know what that's like. That's me. Have you learned him? Do you love him? Are you wearing him? A couple of weeks ago, Will gave us the wonderful illustration. I simply want to repeat it, the wonderful illustration that comes from Thomas Goodwin, a Puritan theologian. I've said that there are only two things to wear, the old you and the new you, you and Jesus. Thomas Goodwin says, he puts it this way, he says, in the whole of the world, imagine two giants standing before God. There are only ever two people before God. These two giants, he says, are Adam and Christ. These two giants stand before God, each of them representing a group of people. Goodwin says, imagine each of these giants standing before God and around their waist, each giant has a large belt around his waist with tiny hooks and everybody who has ever lived in all the world is hanging from the belts of one of those two giants. On on Adam's belt... On Adam's belt is everyone who is still dead in their sins and trespasses. Verses 17 to 19, hanging from Adam's waist. On Christ's belt, hanging from his waist, is everybody from verse 20 onwards, those who have been justified by faith, made new. One theologian says this, he says, Can you picture, can you visualize the picture which Thomas Goodwin is drawing for you. You and I and all of humanity are hanging either at Adam's belt or at Christ's belt. There is no third option. No other place for us. God deals with us only through Adam or through Christ. If you are hanging at Adam's belt, you share in the experience of sinful fallen Adam and your entire relationship with God is through him. But if you are hanging at Christ's belt, all God's dealings with you are through him. When you received the Lord Jesus, verse 20, when you you learned about him, when you heard about him, when you were taught about him, you were involved in a momentous and massive transfer. The Almighty himself unhooked you from Adam's belt and hooked you onto Christ. And so now you have a different head a new head, a different mediator, a new representative. You have passed from Adam into Christ. And whereas God only dealt with you formerly through Adam, he now deals with you only through his Son. You are in Christ, unchangeably and forever. Oh, may we learn not, not just about him. May we learn him. May we know and love and treasure him all our days. Amen.